Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. She may be the face. Oh, oh shit! God. I'm so sorry. I live just over the street. A regret may be my treasure. Oh, the price I have to pay. It's a dream, in fact, to see you again. She may be what happens next in the dream? I just think, you know, the person you're talking about is a real person, and I think she probably deserves a little bit more consideration. I'm sure you didn't mean any harm. I'm sure it was just friendly banter. I'm sure you guys have dicks the size of peanuts. Enjoy your dinner. She may be the reason. There'll be pictures of you in every newspaper from here to Timbuktu. Let's stay calm. No, you stay calm. Today's newspapers will be lining tomorrow's waste paper bit. You really don't get it. And make them all my souvenirs. Where she goes, I've got to be. I live in Notting Hill. You live in Beverly Hills. Everyone in the world knows who you are. I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking to love Right, Notting Hill. It's great, <laughs> it's, isn't it? I really liked it. Yeah, I really, you know, I'm. Uh, I, I think this is one of those movies that I just am generally surprised with. Like every time I revisit it, every few years or so, um, you know how enjoyable it is and how funny it is. Um, and the only really, I mean, I forget the director's name. What's his What's his name? Roger Mitchell. Mitchell. And and what and did he he did notes on a scandal or am I thinking I always get those two guys mixed up. Mm, it's a good question. I think he did. Um No, he did not. He did uh changing lanes. Oh, okay. After this. But there's another Roger and I get him mixed up. He also did uh Enduring Love. Did you see that one? Is that the one with Reese Reese mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. awful. <laughs> Oh, you didn't like that? I like that one. I remember hating it, but I don't know. 
I mean, I'm afraid of heights, so I have uh, no <laughs> desire to get in a hot air balloon. But that, if I did, that movie would have fixed that. Um, but that's got nothing to do with Notting Hill, which um, makes the bold choice to make our leading lady uh, really unlikable mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. long stretches of this movie. And she, I mean, not like she's the. Uh, you know, bitchy friend, uh, like an Emily Blunt character from Devil Wears Prada. She she is the one that we and uh, our lead Hugh Grant are supposed to fall in love with. And every time I rewatch this, I I forget just how long they allow her to be vindictive and petty and selfish and uh, much like the Hugh Grant character. I, you know, I'm still like kind of rooting for this to actually happen, and I don't know why. Well, because I think you sense that, you know, that she's been harmed, too, by by all that. Like, the movie is very oh, empathetic. So I know. I was trying. I was very sympathetic. I was I was tra- last week. I was, you know, talking up George <laughs> Lucas as, as a victim and everything. Now I'm talking up. This, yeah, I, I just sympathize with millionaires. I well, but I think in, in general, you know, the like the, the 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 big scene in this movie is that scene of the uh, of the really dickish guys talking uh, at dinner and they don't know that Anna Scott is right there and they start talking about her like like you know she's just you know a cardboard uh poster or whatever because that's how people see celebrities and actors um and everything and it is very easy to forget that you know that there are human beings uh you know behind that surface um and you know but she also makes that mistake like she forgets sure a uh, few times that Hugh Grant is an actual person who, um, like, I guess in their, their first, you know, falling out, um, actually, I guess it would be their second falling out. Right. Cause I think the first one is when it's revealed that her boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, which Hugh Grant previously had been unaware of played by, I guess, you know, just, <laughs> um, kind of like, uh, dickish, but still charming Alec Baldwin. Like that just seems to be like a thing that he's done for decades now. Like that. He's like, Oh, he's, not a guy I like, but I also kind of like how unlikable he is. Uh, he does his appearance. Uh, Hugh Grant has the indignity of having to take out their trash. Um, and then when she shows up again, the, you know, the next falling out is her assumption or, you know, even if maybe she doesn't totally buy into it, she wants to vent out the possibility that uh, Hugh Grant is unconcerned with uh, the paparazzi being on their doorstep because it's just uh, basically like a mantelpiece for him to have his picture taken in some state of undress with this movie star at his, at his doorstep. Uh, and just, you know, the movie, I think it handles it really well, how Hugh Grant reacts to mm-hmm. it, because I don't, I don't think even though they separate, I don't think his actions fall into the trope of like both parties saying like horrible things to one another. And then like, you know, we're just biding our time until inevitably like they get back together. Like his, his, reasoning or his attempt to reason with her is like everything I would want a character during a rom-com movie breakup scene that we know is not going to stick that I would want them to say. He says all of the right things and the like sort of logical things that I think a real person would throw out there. And I like the, in the movie, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he has reason and logic, you know, maybe something that actually isn't even kind of convincing to her. Um, you know, that at that point they're, both parties are not like an actual like fully formed person to each other. And I think that's pretty realistic for how most relationships are, especially in that sort of early honeymoon dating phase. 
I like in general that there's a lot of conflict, but the, it doesn't fall into the trap of, okay, she did something nasty. Now he's going to go and do something nasty and then back and forth and back and forth kind of thing. Like in general, they just kind of like try, they talk, they try to talk over these conflicts and they can't come to a resolution. So they separate for a bit. And then by happenstance, they come back into each other's lives. And it's really nice because you really, you really kind of sense that they, that they do have, you know, a connection, uh, you know, that is love or whatever, um, that's bringing them back. Um, there are a lot of things that, uh, if you were to, do a role reversal here, a gender reversal here. Yeah. Uh, people would not accept the Julia Roberts character as a man doing some of the things that she, that she does. Uh, like if, if it was a male, uh, you know, uh, actor who, who was a celebrity and he, and it turned out he had a girlfriend that he hadn't told, um, you know, female Hugh Grant about, uh, you know, we probably would completely lose sympathy, uh, for, you know, for him. Um, like ima imagine if it's Harrison Ford, uh, <laughs> for a second and it's, and someone else, um, you know, like, like, well, he just looks like a sex craved cat. Yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah. And I, I think you would probably be getting way more into the power dynamics there. Um, I thought about that too. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I think that <laughs> Julia Roberts, um, this, I mean, probably was not her peak as far as popularity i mean you'd go back to pretty woman as far as like the initial craze of like a brand new like a genuine movie star has been made uh in what was that 89 90 when that came out but for me this is kind of the peak for julie roberts i don't know if her career ever got better after this and i think being cast in this part it was just the right time for her to basically play you know in some regards like a version of of herself a, a much better way of doing it than like in uh oceans 12 uh -huh. where they, they attempted to do, the, do that uh, very briefly and not very successfully um and i, I think she kind of relishes uh playing like a bit of a jerk like even in the uh bookstore sequence where it's hard for julia roberts when she she puts on that smile to not be charming mm -hmm. but there's a definite you know coldness even even her charm there uh an iciness that really really works but i'm trying to think since you brought it up i'm trying to think of like i don't think harrison ford could do it because <laughs> i think he would just come across <laughs> as gruff and just like an old man but i'm trying to think of a guy who could deliver the lines that way and have the same sort of results. It, it would just have to be a different movie. It would have to be a movie yeah. where they are much more, where their flaws are much more insurmountable and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and maybe there could be a happy ending, but it wouldn't, it couldn't be the movie happy ending that we get uh, here with, you know, with, with, you know, with the, with, with the big music and then the wedding and everything. Um, like it couldn't really be that. I have to say, I don't really care for the music choices in this. That's, and I think that's something I forget. But uh, it was a pretty heavy reliance on uh, just cutting to song. Like, it's almost, it's kind of interesting that the filmmakers here don't seem to have much interest in the happy moments. They sort of redline that, like Indiana Jones style. Like, all, all the good times, we'll just skip over that so we can get to the next fight. Uh -huh. Or the next sort of moment of making Hugh Grant feel lesser than, you know, perhaps he should. Or maybe the, the film is saying that that's exactly how he should feel. Because that the character himself is often, you know, he often sort of cites like, 
I'm playing way out of my league here. Like I'm toying with the gods. Like I'm a mere mortal. Uh-huh. And that seems to be what the film is really interested in more so than the, you know, their happiness that, that they consider that like the boring bits. And there's not a lot of movies where, where, where it's a, where it's a, where it's a woman, you know, in, in a position like this of being the, the more dominant uh, figure um, you know, the, the, the one that stands out, of course, would be Roman Holiday, uh, you know, where, where it's a princess who, who, you know, which I, what I think this movie is probably largely modeled off of, um, you know, where Audrey Hepburn play, plays a princess and she goes gallivanting off with Gregory Peck for, you know, for a while. Uh, you should see that if you haven't. Have you seen Roman Holiday? I have not. You should see I'm Roman Holiday. Think, <laughs> how many times in my life have I just like, you know, slid past it in uh, different queues? I'm sure, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere on some service at this point, and I've probably added it, but have never watched it. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, there's not, there's just not a lot of movies where, where that's the case, where, where, where it's usually, you know, a, it's usually a, a version of the Cinderella story of a poor, you know, pauper woman, uh, meets Prince Charming and, and sees her life, you know, change and everything. Um, and that would, that would have been an, an interesting direction to go in too here. If, if, if it had ever, if we, like, if we were to see, uh, you know, what happens 10 years from now with this couple, uh, in Notting Hill, uh, does he, does him becoming part, uh, uh, you know, part of the celebrity, uh, world and everything, how does that change him? Uh, uh you know, f- you know, uh, his life and everything that would be interesting too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it definitely helps. It's Hugh Grant, right? I, I think they play it. I forgot that they kind of play on this sort of like, <laughs> uh, sort of nationalist sensibility this like pride that because the movie ends with the question of whether or not she's gonna you know stay in the uk uh and her line is indefinitely when it's like that's the you know they're they're speaking through the press which is kind of their you know one of their undoings and now is bringing them back together uh to to answer the the semi-proposal of Hugh grant to like at least rekindle the romance um i I, I'm also wondering how this would play now, like because it's it's sort of on the tail end of um, how they treat the press and these stories. Like I don't know. Do, to me, it feels kind of stupid. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're <laughs> like you know. It, I, I think it would be far more cynical. Actually, what was the? Uh, I think there was a movie that came out just a couple years after this with Julia Roberts. I think and John uh, America Cusack. America's Sweethearts. Yeah, wasn't it playing with that? Like there was like a calculation on. Oh boy, I don't uh, remember much about that movie. <laughs> yeah, I saw it once. I don't think I cared for, it, but it was uh, uh, and I'm even only like halfway watched it on television. But I felt like the premise was, uh, you know, using the media and uh, these various romances with these uh, celebrities to like further their career. And I don't think that's really ever touched on here. Like when it's brought up, it's just always basically like. Um, it sucks to be famous because when I have, when I have heartbreak, when I have a breakup, um, you know, it's just sort of like talked about like, uh, you know, opening weekend grosses or something like it's just material for the, for them to make judgments on me about something they don't know anything about. Well, so much has changed in society. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, uh, Julia, if, if, if Julia Roberts really had photos resurface, that were her nude when she was like in her early twenties. Uh, everyone would, everyone would be sympathetic to her. Uh, now it'd mm-hmm. be like, Oh, well you didn't rape someone, you know, good job. Um, you know, that would be, that would be the, that's the new standard. Uh, and so, 
and, and in a way, that's a good thing. And, you know, I mean, uh, like, I think in the 90s, there was an element that, that was very... So the night we haven't talked about it a lot, but I think the 90s culturally are very similar to the 1950s uh, in America. And it's a very prosperous time where people aren't preoccupied with uh, global affairs, uh, uh, you know, at all. Uh, they're mostly... Uh, preoccupied with, you know, uh, themselves and, uh, you know, things around them and movie stars and celebrities and blah, blah, blah. And so it, it's the perfect time for a movie like this, uh, you know, in 1999. And all that changes with, with 9-11. Uh, and we have a very kind of like there's a lot of harshness uh, in, in the movies uh, from like t 2001 uh, and for the first like 10 years of the, of the 21st century. You know, making the case for me for this podcast to be like, yeah, it was better in the nineties. Like, yes. <laughs> well, give me Notting Hill. It, was I, it the, I mean, I mean the movie, yeah, the movie itself okay. is a lot better than it would be if, they, if it was made today. But, but culturally was it better that people uh, only paid attention to that? This was their world that, that, that if Julia, if Julia Roberts really had nude photos pop up from when she was younger, she would have been vilified in the press. And that would not be fair. Like who cares? It's her body, you know, you know, whatever. Like, like Sylvester Stallone was in a porno in the 1970s, and uh, I think Wes Craven uh, made a porno uh, under a pseudonym, uh, like early on. Um, you know, like the, there's this weird kind of, and we we still do it, we still do it, but I'm I'm hoping that we're we're starting to come out of that, where where maybe we're gonna just be able to see cele celebrities and filmmakers and actors and all that as just human beings, as just you know three-dimensional human beings that have flaws that are no better or worse than, you know, people in our everyday lives. Um, like maybe we can just move on this point where every single thing that happens to them is some sort of gigantic, you know, deal. Hmm. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a page out Kevin Hart <laughs> and his non-apology for, uh, uh, for possibly hosting the Oscars in the sense that, I don't really like trying to <laughs> I don't want to bring anyone down to my like stupid level and I I really don't like <laughs> a sort of democratization of uh like well any any asshole could just like you know shout out to uh, Captain America on Twitter or you know he he's supposed to engage or you know his whoever's running his Twitter account or something is supposed to speak on something or if there is some big event that now that they there's a a venue for your your favorite actors, filmmakers, musicians, what have you, that if they don't speak on something, then we read into why aren't they speaking on it? I I like the the uh, you know the barriers that were in place in the nineties where you know it was printed in the paper rightly or wrongly, uh, or if you want an official stance on her love life, you have to be attending the press conference. I, I, I don't want someone tweeting out like, you know, hey, who are you having sex with now? And why won't they answer me? I, I don't know. I, I don't like all the avenues of communication we have now. Uh, and the, the, my second point is uh, I think that the people that were focusing on movie stars and who they were dating probably should have stuck with that. I, I also don't believe in uh, having everyone engage with uh, matters of life and death or uh, the powers that be that control that because uh, I don't know. It's a big, it's usually just an echo chamber 
of like the last thing they read or like whatever it is that, you know, verifies their innermost feelings that they don't want to say. And then you just get a, a wall, an echo chamber of just retweets and just like really harsh opinions, uh, left or right. I don't know, Ben, I, you, you know, you, everything, everything you said makes me want to go back to the glory days you, in the nineties where people just worried about Julie Roberts and who she was fucking. You really do see the whole world through the lens of Twitter. Uh, and I'm kind of disturbed well, by that. Well, because that is, uh, I mean, you know, ask your, <laughs> ask your newspaper men if that's the lens <laughs> that has replaced their job in their industry. And I would say, yes. Um, I, I just under this, uh, you know, the, the parameters of Notting Hill and, and the, I guess the enemies in this, which is the press. Uh, yeah, I would say that that's been replaced by, you know, the, the loudspeaker of, uh, you know, your follower count and, uh, you know, five years from now, it probably won't be Twitter, whatever it is, but it's just going to be that. And, uh, I'm not for it, Mr. Zook. But see, so in my paradise, no one cares who anyone's dating with and no one really cares what Julia Roberts has to say about, you know, uh, the oil in Spain or whatever. Um, <laughs> and you can- I know there's not oil in Spain, but I was just trying to think. I actually like that phrase, though. I'm like, I'm going to borrow that. I like that. But who cares? Like, who cares? No, no one cares. Why should we care? Like, like you know, there's just this, there's this weird, like, uh, presupposition that, that, oh, well, you're famous. You know, you made, uh, you know, a movie that caught on at just the right time. Well, you're a better person. You're, you're someone who's, you know, thinking your your opinion matters more than everyone else and i and i just don't think that's true and i don't think i don't even think it's fair to the celebrities um you know uh and and <laughs> let's get to the movie here okay in that sure <laughs> <laughs> like the character that she plays um is self-aware enough to know that right like mm-hmm. to know like she has the 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 dinner scene where they're they're each like playing a game for uh was it the last cupcake the last um, brownie last brownie my bad um of you know who who has basically the worst situation the worst lot in life at that particular moment and then they get the you know the, the last one they get an extra you know bit of dessert and she she gamely tries to like throw her you know big speech out there I've been on a diet every day since I was 19, which basically means I've been hungry for a decade. Um, (laughs) I've had a series of not nice boyfriends, one of whom hit me. Uh, And every time I get my heart broken, the newspapers splash it about as though it's entertainment. (laughs) And it's taken two rather painful uh, operations to get me looking like this. Mm-hmm. And one day, not long from now, my looks will go. They will discover I can't act. And I will become some sad middle-aged woman who looks a bit like someone who was famous for a while. No, nice try, gorgeous, but you don't fool anyone. <laughs> one of the things I like about the film is that they get... <laughs> They give it a, a moment's mm-hmm, thought mm-hmm. to her, her, her idea that, you know, she's maybe just coasting on her looks and she, she has a hard time really trusting that anyone like genuinely does care about what she has to say, or if they just care about her, her status. And and later on in the film, when her, her last big speech, she you know says, you know, fame is, you know, fame is not real. It's not like a real thing that she can feel when she's like trying to have a one-on-one human connection with people. 
<laughs> but I do think the film, although they sort of, you know, they throw it out there, they give you a moment, they fall back into like sort of the Deniston <laughs> school of thinking where it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like you don't like, you know, these are these are problems you can have because you have the time to entertain such problems like that. They're so far removed from what most people have to deal with. Including, you know, you have one of the characters that has, has suffered some sort of accident that, you know, she's now in a wheelchair and that gets brought up many times. I don't know how comfortable I feel with that particular element of the movie. I like the dynamic between the couple as far as their particular love story, but that may have been, I, I think the the film maybe overreaches to, to sort of slap uh, Anna Scott back down when really poor googly eyed girl, as she calls herself, you know, she's, she's going to have... <laughs> a rougher <laughs> a rougher time of it in the world well i think it shows you how like fine a line some of this stuff is is because if if that scene you know if you if you ended it with her getting the last brownie uh with julia roberts getting the last brownie then it would be a bad scene and it would hurt the movie because it, it would come off as oh yes you poor million millionaire <laughs> but because, <With> great genes <laughs> but what they do is they allow that well you do get to hear her perspective and you do get to see that well her life maybe hasn't been uh you know good times noodle salad uh and um <laughs> you, you know that that's important too and it's and it is important that the characters all treat it like a like as kind of a joke afterwards and they kind of and, and they're doing so to, to kind of cheer her up as well um you know this is a movie that's that's very like in tune with with i think what the audience is going to be thinking while watching it <laughs> yeah i mean it's even in tune with the fact that you know hugh grant is uh especially with his sort of rogues gallery of fairly normal looking people uh is like incredibly handsome and i, I like the film it kind of plays with that <laughs> this is like this is our one chosen champion of normal people to, to, to uh -huh. go out and try to conquer, <laughs> <laughs> conquer a celebrity goddess. And like normally in these type of movies, I would hate the supporting characters or maybe I'd like one or two of them, but you know, then the other ones would, they would get my nerves. The googly eyed girl would overstep, overstay her welcome as far as making things incredibly awkward. Uh, but even here, she's aware that she, you know, made things awkward. She's like, Hey, did I, I, I like waited like, you know, a half second too long in the bathroom. And I think she realized it. And uh, you have the roommate, which every time I rewatch this, I wonder if I'm going to hate the Spike character. Uh -huh. Like, oh, was that, was he kind of like, you know, was he the Jar Jar Binks of Notting Hill? And I, I don't, I love that the film gives him like the bucket of cold water on Hugh Grant at the end when he's trying to convince himself and he's wanting all of his friends to, you know, to second the motion that he was sound. <laughs> sound of mind and heart to shoot down this goddess this movie star the movie star on the planet who's basically you know comes hat in hand and says i want to be with you will you please be with me and you, you have the the idiot roommate that just calls like like calls it for what it is immediately like you daft prick like you do, you do not turn this one down this is uh, uh you know that's that's the as good as it gets moment right mm -hmm. like you don't yeah. you don't turn this down like you know <laughs> You take the personal doctor, you take the Ghostbuster, and you run with it. Uh, I don't know. There's just like, like I said, the only thing I sometimes like raise an eyebrow about is that maybe the 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 repeated use of another woman's physical plight to uh, to sort of downplay uh, the problems of the other characters. But I really like I really like how those two those supporting characters. I, I like how those characters look at each other. Like you know, I don't I don't think the movie ever is saying like. Don't ever complain because this person's miserable. 
because she's not miserable. Like she has her own particular problems, but she's also in love and she has someone that loves her. I, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of great stuff here. Every, every time I watch it, I wonder what 16 year old Mike was thinking. Cause I went to the theater on a like awkward first date to see this. Oh wow. And I guarantee you, <laughs> I guarantee you, I, I barely even thought about the movie at the time. Like I probably was just way more concerned. Like you're saying about everyone in the nineties, I was just concerned about myself, <laughs> how this was affecting me. And I was just wondering if, Hey, should I have taken this girl to see uh, Never Been Kissed instead? It's still playing. And uh, I think doing this podcast, I'm totally vindicated. I have vindicated 16-year-old Mike that he made the right choice. But unfortunately, he just didn't realize how right he was. Because uh, middle-aged Mike really, really likes this movie. I probably revisit this once every uh, couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing more to say except to point out that um, you were probably dating much earlier than I was because, you know, I would have been 13. And if I had gone on a date, that probably would have been illegal uh in some way uh so i I mean if it's another 13 year old maybe i guess you know no i think well i mean it might still be illegal i I don't know like you know this is this is a 2019 modern bed you know this is remember the all dates are illegal now Looking, looking at another person—that's illegal. You, you, you are not allowed to do that. That is not cool. You have to think about how that person feels when you looked at them. So, uh, on that note, I'm going to go back to the 50s. I looked up uh, when you mentioned it. Roman Holiday is currently streaming on Stars. There you go. And, yes, and I have a copy. I have a Stars uh, subscription. Of course. So, so. Um, all right, as we always do, uh, what is uh, next? Ben, do you know? Coming up next is a movie I've not seen, uh, and it is from a director who is a foreign director. Or no, I don't know. Maybe he's not foreign. He might not be foreign. Or maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, his most well-known movie is, is a popular U.S. state uh, combined with a popular uh, foreign capital. And he's foreign or not? That's well, the other thing. He, he, his name sounds foreign, <laughs> right? Yeah, Brody agrees. So, uh, if only I could speak Catahoula. I don't understand. Brody's trying to tell me. So, uh, so wait, it's a city and a state. Okay, so it's a popular foreign capital, probably the most popular foreign capital city uh, anywhere, uh, combined with a popular uh, red state in America. Well, I'm going to get the first clue, but I, that's not going to lead me to the second one. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, You're talking I guess about Paris, so. Texas. Yeah. Paris, Texas. But I have no idea what the movie is from 1999. I know. We, I had to do something because I haven't seen this movie. I don't know anything about it. It's called the Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I knew I put this on the list because I think it was like sort of a fad at the time, I remember, but uh, yeah. Is this like a jazz documentary or something? I don't know. It'll be very interesting. It it is sort of like, you know, one of those like list checker movies for me. So uh, I'm looking forward to it in that regard. But it will definitely be a harder sit than what we've been watching (laughs) (laughs) compared to The Mummy and Star Wars Phantom Menace and Notting Hill. (laughs) Right in the summer of 1999. See, this makes sense to follow the weekend of Phantom Menace and then Notting Hill would have switched places with this one. What just you know on a whim here, Ben? You had box office mojo up. What was the wide release instead of this? So that would have been Instinct, 
with Anthony Hopkins and Cuba Gooding Jr. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch both of these. Oh, my God. Because I... Well, you throw me for another loop. i got to find Instinct now. I don't think Instinct is available anywhere. <laughs> Take a laughter and her tears And make them all my souvenirs Where she goes I've got to be The meaning of my life is